storygoers, and welcome back to another episode of Tales from the Cartridge, the video game storytelling podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Eric Penrod. I am also one of your co-hosts, Ryan Bauer. And today, we have our very special guest, as always, Celeste Law. Hi! Welcome again, as always. How are you? Howdy, Doing good. Doing lovely. Living my best life. And what have you been playing? I forgot to ask Just doing good. Just, you know, girl bossing my way. (laughs) You know, through life. Being gainfully employed. Moved in with my girlfriend. Woo! All the best fun things. I think I'm on, I think this month I'm... This is my seven months on HRT. Woo! Congratulations! Great fucking time. Uh, and then, y'all know what games I'm playing. That's not, <laughs> yeah. that's not, you don't need to ask me. Like, what am I, what, why are we here right now? Ask yourself that question and you've answered it. I can't stop playing Baldur's Gate 3. Hmm. I have to sit here because I got it for my girlfriend so she could play with me, but then she's playing her on her own because I want to play on my own, too, for my story. And I have to hold up my hand like a blinder because her monitor's right next to me so that I don't get spoiled because <laughs> she's ahead of me. You need those, like, remember those old, in the 90s, the, the like, big folders you'd open yes, up to put around I, you to do tests? I literally do. I literally <laughs> require that. Yeah. Um, yeah, having a great time with Baldur's Gate three. I'm. Uh, I did. I did the early access when that was out last year with Callius, and that was a that was a friggin' blast. Um, but now, as I'm playing, I'm playing as my next shameless self insert character, <laughs> who may or may not, you know, be the star if we do Baldur's Gate three scripts of this. My little girl, Sylvie. She's a feisty little ranger. She will fight you, and she will cry. Um, (laughs) Over your dead body. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, that's been it's it's a game like I I, you know we were talking a little bit before recording. Uh, It has everything I want in a game. I can make my favorite D and D character. It just it's Dungeons and Dragons, that thing that I do like four nights a week because you know having hyper fixations is a great time. Um, uh, and it's it's horny as fuck Um, and it's just you know fun stories and fun writing and it's got all the fun references to the first two games that i've i've played all the way through both of those so i know those so i just ooh lights up lights up all the good spots on my brain you stick an mri to my brain while i'm playing Baldur's gate 3 i will i will cut the power for like a 10 mile radius (laughs) from that short circuiting well i'm glad you're enjoying baller's gate 3 i I feel like that is the game that is on everybody's mind right now it is so big in the moment especially on like twitch everyone's streaming baller's gate 3 which is pretty wild so cool uh but anyway ryan yeah how are you and what have you been playing doing pretty well uh just enjoying the wonderful time here with my friends Mm. um having the best time um and what i've been playing a little bit of Baldur's gate 3 i haven't played a ton of it yet my um partner and i want to play it together and we're playing it on the steam deck co-op and it looks bad um (laughs) so we're gonna get it on i think ps5 when it comes out in september and i'll probably play it more then um and then eventually i'll also play it more uh on the computer because i think that'll be a really great time probably the best way to play um uh, so I'm playing that. Uh, some Crusader Kings here and there. The new expansion comes out on Tuesday, which I'm excited about. 
Um, and then Vampire Survivors, they just came out with a co-op version of it. So you can play Vampire Survivors with another person, and it is just absolute chaos. If you know anything about that game, it is just a dopamine hit of a game. Mm-hmm. And if you just add more lights and more things on the screen, <laughs> it's, 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 it's magical uh, and very, very good. Uh, and that's that's pretty much it. That's all I've been playing. Um, and panicking that I didn't play enough Destiny this season. But that's, that's, for, that's for me to hold on to and work through. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's that's what I've been doing. That's what I'm playing. Eric, how are you? Mm. What have you been playing? I'm good. I'm so happy to be here. I've been so. I always look forward to these. Re- I always look forward to all of our recordings, but especially these are special. Machine. Yeah, these are special. I just think they're so special. Yeah, and I think so many people enjoy it. I just get so excited for it. So I'm very excited to be here. I'm so excited for Celeste to be here. It's just a good time. So I'm very very happy right now. Um, and I'm really excited as I, I'm, you know, summer's wrapping up, which makes me a little sad, though I do enjoy fall a lot. So, um, but I'm excited because I plan to go to the beach tomorrow morning. So I'm very, very excited for that. Yeah. yeah it's little things, you know? Um, so yeah, uh, what I've been playing, I'm still on the Fortnite train. <laughs> I just cannot get off. Like, it's just that weird, it's almost like a, a Vampire Survivor's dopamine hit. It's like that weird, like, I need 15 minutes to do something. Or 30 minutes to do something. So, yeah, I always think it's yeah. going to be 15 minutes. It's going to be 30 minutes. And I'm, I've also been playing uh, Pokemon Stadium 2, which just came out on the Switch recently. What? My, my partner uh, grew up playing the N64 with her brother, uh, and she played Pokemon Stadium 2, but she only played it for the mini games. And <laughs> I had only ever played it for the, the battling part of it. I never played the mini games. So, like, the mini games are, is a huge. Like fun thing for her, it's very nostalgic. So I've been playing this with her, and it's so much fun. It's a new way to play this game that, or not a new way, but like it's a way to play the game I've never experienced before. So we're just having a lot of fun with it. So much fun that I just bought like third-party N64 controllers for the Switch, oh, and they're coming today. So I'm really excited yeah, about very it. Cool. Um, yeah, because Nintendo doesn't want to re-release their N64 controllers they had out for like a short period of time. They never brought them back out again. I don't I know guess why. They- didn't like making that much money i guess, <laughs> I guess so yeah. who would have thought you know it's nintendo uh but yeah so that's all that i've been playing Storygoers. we hope that you enjoyed our last episode Storygoers, as always you can email us your thoughts feelings and perspectives to tales from the cartridge at gmail.com all the e's are threes you can also find us on our social media of instagram and threads by leaving a voicemail or text to our toll-free number at 207-494-4334 or down below, if you're on Spotify, we will have a poll question or some kind of interactive question you can comment on, and we will read all those in a future episode. As always, too, if you feel in your heart of hearts to donate to our Patreon, you'll be having access to our exclusive scripts, downloadable episodes of like uh, put-together uh, bedtime stories, and uh, you know, you know, Baldur's gave you a really cool one to put on there as well. The whole story for people to listen to would be really cool. A big old um, five-hour, just beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'd be amazing. It'd be so good. Uh, and, of course, you also get the warm feeling of supporting your favorite podcast to us. So, yeah, as always, you know. Um, <laughs> and, of course, if you can rate us on Spotify or Apple or wherever you listen to that has ratings, that'd be super duper. Yeah. So we're, we're back again for Baldur's Gate 2 Part 3. Yeah. Sorry, I want to make sure I got that right, and I sounded like, right. like a silly Nailed head. It. Okay, um, do we want to go through background stuff again, or did, since we did it essentially in the it's, first episode? Yeah, it's been a year. We can do it yeah. again into that. You know, okay. This fun game that was released all the way back in September of two thousand. That's wild. It's an old friggin' game. <laughs> That's why it's like playing Baldur's Gate three. You get like an immaculately like I showed y'all some screenshots. Like you get mm-hmm. like the graphics are tight. Like you yeah. get, you get 
that you can you can do a lot of stuff with those characters and make them just look gorgeous. You can see like the light glinting off of their eyes when they're down it's in wild. like a, like a molten hell forge next to a volcano. You can see the sweat just automatically glistening on their skin. There's like there's blood and there's like there's just like dirt and grime and shit all over their faces and it's, and and then you go back and play Baldur's Gate two and you have like a little two pixel person who's just like <laughs> just minecrafting around the whole place. Yeah. You can you can however put your own voice lines in those games. And that's as, true. As well as character portraits. So I got to hear myself, you know, the Callus the Humble at your service for like seventy hours. <laughs> which was fantastic. I've never had that in a game before, so that was a great time. Do you think now, I randomly have this thought, with the success of Baldur's Gate 3, like, would there be a reason for Bioware to go back? Does Bioware make Baldur's Gate 3? Is that who's doing No, it was Larian. No, Larian oh. Studios. Oh, I mean. original Larian folks. Yeah, plays like their, their other, like, uh, Divinity Original Sin 2 is, 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 you play that and it's like, it's, Gameplay wise, extremely similar, but now just with like the the, the rules of D and D, and they incorporate like all the dice rolling and things like that. But yeah, Bioware developed the 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 original uh, with with Baldur's Gate two, um, and published by Black Isle Studios and Interplay Entertainment. Um, Michael Honig came back, I think, from the first game. Was he? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't like... know. Uh, what's a what's a Wikipedia article? Basic fact checking. Eh. Right. We'll leave it if it's true. <laughs> and Howard yeah. Drossen. Uh, uh, the the scores are still really really cool and fun. Have that really like nice nostalgic little D and D vibe from it. Um, and it's fascinating because we did get our the the previous installment of this story, Siege of Dragon Spear. A, re- a reminder that that came out in 2016. Yeah, they, right. they basically made a revival of this game uh, in 2016, which I will also remind everyone from today was seven goddamn years ago. That's which wild. a year later, Larian would have started on uh, Baldur's yeah. Gate Three. Yeah, wow, some crazy, some crazy <laughs> wow. stuff. Do you think there's a reason? Do you think there's ever a chance that Baldur's Gate One and Two and Siege of Dragonsphere will be remade in current Baldur's Gate Three? In that would that would take a lot. You'd probably yeah like. I, what is it? I did see some, like, videos of people on YouTube who took, like, the Dragon Age Origins, like, engine and made, like, some cutscenes from, like, Baldur's Gate 2, which looked pretty cool. So it's, like... Wow. I suppose it'd be possible, but that that's more than just, like, when they, like, remake, like, Last of Us 2 and it's and it's just, like, you know... True. You know, we updated, like, the lighting and the graphics and some things. Like, that would be, like, you'd, you'd basically still have to, like, make and animate a whole game. It, it would just already be, like, written... And if mm-hmm. you if you used the same audio, that that would be the case. It made a lot of money at Baldur's Gate three. I think that's a game that's gonna be making money for a long time. Oh yeah. So if there's investment in there, people want to go back. It's kind of a good idea, you know. Um, and just we'll wanted. See. And before we start, wanted to make sure again this time I gave a shout out to. Uh, um. I used in this story uh, the one I added one mod in my Baldur's Gate uh, two playthrough, which was. Being able to, as a male character, well, actually, as any character, um, uh, romance, Herr Delise, the handsome tiefling bard, back when tieflings were just basically blue-skinned elves, not the fun, like, cool, sexy devil people that they are uh, uh, in the D&D world people know and love today. Uh, but that was that was done by uh, Aaron from SpellholdStudios.net, so I just want to give a little shout-out there for 
making my playthrough in Baldur's Gate a more rich and fun experience, and for uh, uh, a little credit as inspiration for uh, some of the writings here in the story. Yeah, credit, credit, always giving credit is fantastic. Hopefully they, they know. Ryan, I, I mean, we can start with you if you if you want, and get to get to Celeste, who might have the the best experience. We've gone through this before. You know, your memories of Baldur's Gate too. Have you do you have any any memories or any? I mean, all of my memories of Baldur's Gate two are now this story that Celeste has written. Like there is no mm-hmm. <laughs> that is that is for me the the story of Baldur's Gate two. I ha- I didn't play a ton of it. Um, I, I, we went back one time and tried to play Baldur's Gate 1, I think with Celeste and some friends, and that's kind of the full experience of my time with Baldur's Gate. It is now just, uh, this story. This story is my, is my, is my memory of Baldur's Gate 2, and that's how it will stay. I, I think I'm in the same boat. I don't know if I can experience Baldur's Gate 2 without Callius being (laughs) a part of it. You know what I mean? Like, and, and and that's, and I'm actually very thankful for that, because I feel like if I had a, uh, uh, history of Baldur's Gate 2, it might be more like, I don't think it'd be hard to get into the story or anything like that, that's what I'm saying. But I think if this, my inexperience with it, or my ignorance towards it, has allowed me to then become more appreciative to it, as well as embracing Callius as a true character in this narrative, right? You, like, it's just... You can, if you decide to play it, I can send you <laughs> the, right. the files for the, the characters, because making them in the game is just, you know fairly simple but then you know i've got those voice lines still in a google doc somewhere <laughs> that's we should do like a, a live like a, a streaming the three of us a stream streaming the game together on like twitch or something and then having callius be <laughs> yeah the the main that'd be so cool that'd be really really cool we still play Baldur's Gate 3 together mm-hmm. oh i the more we talk about it the more screenshots i see and just like the videos like it's just it looks amazing i get the wonderful chance to play Dungeons and Dragons with uh, Ryan at least two to three times a week, and Ryan Bauer here is a fantastic D and D player as mm-hmm. well as a a immaculate dungeon master. <laughs> That's very kind. And just uh, like you see, like the story stuff he does here, like he Ryan Ryan was when I was first getting into D and D like five or so years ago. My friend introduced me to him. I was like, "Hi, can I um." Join your D and D game uh, if you if you know there's room. Ryan's like, yeah, come on, join us, and I did, and that's where that's where Callius the Humble was born. So that's wild. We wouldn't it's all we thanks wouldn't be to here Ryan. Ryan. <laughs> At the beginning of everything, the is, beginning of yeah, is <laughs> even before the story goes, even before this session, they were just calling me out, just just. Uh, giving me all kind of wonderful praise, um, mm. just constantly. Because you deserve um. it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. If you want fantastic. less praise, stop being as wonderful. Person. Be worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be worse. Yeah. Be worse. Yeah. Yeah. Be like everybody else. Just be worse, please. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, 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 I'm curious, Ryan. If you ever get to the point in tales where, like, if we ever, if you ever someday somehow went. What what had just this be our job if you ever wanted to do your own D and D part of it? Uh, maybe this. doing actual play is a whole other ball game that would be so so challenging. I think mm. like uh, and also it 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 is so being a DM is so time consuming and takes so much. It's it's like my like for me uh, like the most enjoyable creative experience, but it is so much time and energy and work. Um, and then on top of it, if you're a person who has like 
your brain wants things to be a very specific way, it, it's even more work because you want things to, to happen a certain way or, or go a certain way. And then when that butts up against your uh, the other part of your brain that says, well, I don't really want to do that right now, it's just a challenge <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But it is, it is, it is really wonderful. That, that would be great. I think um, I would probably tap uh, some other incredible folks if we ever if we ever got to that space. I reminds me of like the I haven't played D D a ton, but the very first time I played, uh, the DM had us like run into this like goblin I think, and the goblin like clearly had information. Like we were we were basically told like you really should interrogate it. And one of the team members is like I I just want to hit him with my hammer. And the DM's <laughs> like I think you all should talk to your party member before he hits this goblin. And then we're all just like well he really wants to hit him. Like, the goblin kind of came at us. So I feel like we want to respect. Him, he's like, you really, really shouldn't do it. And then he's like, all right, you can roll. And then, and then the the person rolled, and like clearly, it's like a not not like a nat twenty, but it was very, very high. And the team's like, all right, fine. You hit him with a hammer. You get no information. And we're like, awesome. Just like basically, like you know, like so disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. That's where you learn important game design techniques, like put a note on the goblin. <laughs> yeah. have, have other clues in the world because yeah. your players are 100% going to either completely miss mm-hmm. or completely misinterpret or just mm-hmm. completely destroy some valuable information. So, For sure. yeah. so have you need to build in those redundancies. Mm-hmm. Oppositional defiance really comes out in D&D. <laughs> and somebody else the, the We're just all playing out our, 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 yeah, that, that we don't get to do in our lives. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yep, I would. I would definitely be in that. <laughs> I I would one hundred. I think I played once before with you, Ryan, many many years ago when I played a Batman like character, and everyone was very frustrated with me for, doing <laughs> for so long. And I was not supposed to throw a ninja star, and I did, and it ended up hitting. It was great. A goblin in the eye, uh, and uh, yeah, I just great. yeah, everything I, I was told not to do, I did, and it was fantastic. <laughs> There's yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And then they go out to the real world and I'm anxious about everything and I'm like, I can't be obsessional. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I mean, of course, Celeste, your your feelings towards Baldur's Gate 2, would you would you please uh, oh, express them for us? I mean, it's great because I, um, I actually really got interested in the games when they announced, you know, years ago and was, you know, before the pandemic and everything, you know, that's why... Uh, you know, it's all been so long, but I, I, I was like, you know, I've, 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 I've never played like these old games and, you know, I'd really, by that time gotten a lot into D and D and so, you know, I was, you know, I was really like craving more and then wanted to see what these things are. And then somehow I got the brilliant idea of like, oh, I can just make my D and D character in this D and D game. And that heightened the whole experience a long way. Cause I already knew Callius very well by that point. So it was very fun to watch. Because uh, I think, like, I remember I started a playthrough with just some random new person I made and kind of got bored pretty quick. But I was like, oh, if I play as my boy, then that that just made it such a fun time. Because it's like, I know how they're going to act and what they're going to try and do. And you, and you get all that time through all the twists and turns of everything. Um, so, yeah, I, I really went into these Baldur's Gate 1 and 2, like, not knowing a lot about them and not knowing much and it's like they have that really fun kind of like old uh you know early 2000s like schmaltzy cheesy fantasy vibe where the 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 villain is just this big fucking spike armor wearing dude uh and or just some some like evil bdsm wizard uh 
and it was all because I was like, I was like, I, I, I want to just, I want to be ready before Baldur's Gate three comes out, and I did, and I'm really, and I'm glad I got to be a part of these games and and experience the the really uh, just rich experience that is the games with their with the with the story and the characters involved uh, and seeing what the and learning what the hell Thaco is for our our, our old D and D fans there because because. These games are so old; they're built on like basically second edition Dungeons and Dragons. So now I'm like, wait, we have to you have to roll a lower number to hit them now. That's better. What? <laughs> like, like eventually you get like your armor class is like negative because it's a whole it's a whole different thing. I still don't. Oh know wow. It, but <laughs> the the good thing is they designed the game, so it's like, oh, equipment give better number number now green. Equipment, <laughs> equipment give worse number number now red and i was like okay <laughs> i can understand this this yeah. is accessible you colorblind to me. too bad <laughs> <laughs> so do you, yeah do you guys feel I, I, i'm trying to think like from like because you guys have so much experience in in D and in role playing like that like do you find that playing a character that encompasses you and your moral and like virtual aspects is like a benefit to you or do you find that seeking or, or playing a character that does not necessarily in, in, uh, represent you as a person is that a way to kind of like find more about yourself or to embrace other aspects of you that you wouldn't normally show in society you know what i mean oh a thousand fucking percent as ryan can attest to as he plays alongside my my very shameless self-insert character <laughs> and everything i go through with them um, yeah, because especially, like, my D&D power fantasy is to just, like, help everyone all the time and make sure everyone is just safe and happy, um, which is also right, can attest to, doesn't always fucking happen yeah. in our games. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, no. But then you get to, you get to work through that trauma, which is fun, too. You get a nice safe environment to just work out your deepest, darkest fucking emotions, Mm -hmm. and cry with your friends and that's you know that's that's my joy in life really is to just spend three hours a week just crying with my friends <laughs> um, but yeah i really i really i think i like i kind of joke with like my my friends where you know uh a lot of other people we play with will like turn over a characters a little more often or just get really excited by the the idea of like making like a new team character to throw in the story and see how they do um I also have this horrible habit of somehow my characters always survive when everyone else dies. Like Callius, Callius is the last plank of the ship of Theseus that was our original D and D party. Wow! And and so like and that and that's happened in this in this the campaign that Ryan and I are currently playing in too. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm like I I I almost like I. I I really get attached to my characters because I wanna I wanna see them get through this whole story. <laughs> Especially when they're the last one carrying like the start of this narrative. They just accidentally become the main character. <laughs> the survivor's guilt. You're like, no, you're gonna it's, be happy. <laughs> you're gonna I live. swear to God. Because it's like I'm ready. I'm ready just, to end. That's just me at work all day, just just thinking about that. Wow, it's a time. It's a time. But that's what that's what that's what therapy's for. So. There you go. Honestly, D and D. I mean, this is a very big, a big statement. 
I feel like D&D was like group therapy before group therapy was a thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then now it's kind of like morphed into this. It was like, what better way to express yourself, be vulnerable, use your supports for support, and just ex- and embrace who you are as a person or find different aspects about yourself that you never knew you had. Like, is absolutely fantastic. It's so cool. Yeah, I think I... I mean, I'm very. We've had a lot of interest in this story. So, Celeste, as always, thank you so much for coming and and doing. You do so much for this this story. Like we, you know, I don't want to speak for you, Ryan, but I I feel like we're probably on the same boat and saying like you're fantastic and thank you so much for for so much of all all that you do for the podcast. So much fun. Yeah. Well, great. Do we need? I mean, this will. I mean, for those who probably already listened, if you haven't listened to the other parts of of uh, Baldur's Gate two, then please go back and listen because they're fantastic. You should. Um, do you want to do a, a story catch up or should we just jump right into it? I Go listen to those other ones. Yeah. That sounds like the most appropriate. Yeah. My, my yeah. throat still hurts from a year ago. <laughs> still recovering. I can't, I can't write a short script for the life. Oh, it's so hard. <laughs> it is so difficult. It really, truly is. It yeah. really, truly is. Just be me when I'm like, I'm like, Ryan, like, 60 pages is fine for this script, right? <laughs> like it's, I, I think I've condensed it to a short five and a half hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> story goers, we hope that you enjoy this coming story of Baldur's Gate 2, part three. <laughs> I'm going to keep messing it up. Celeste, please take it away. Chapter four. Hello, dear friends. Tis I, Callius the Humble. I come to you now, on the darkest of days, for a terrible villain hath seen me brought low by his dastardly schemes. My very soul hath been wrenched from twigs my mortal coil. My body is cold, and my heart is as empty as the stone pit that I've been left to die in. All of my strength, even the very memory of strength, has abandoned me. Oh, what woes have befallen this humble bard. The wretched, vile, duplicitous John Irenicus is now somewhere above, running around with my immortal soul, which he had ripped from me with his dark and foul magics. I had come to save my sister Imowen, from Arenicus's foul clutches, but had walked straight into a devious trap. I sat here now, falling in and out of consciousness. The also unconscious bodies of my companions lay around me in the dark. I was wrenched back into the waking world by strong, muscular arms. My eyes opened to see my ranger companion, Minsk! and his trusty friend, the hamster Boo, staring down at me, eyes watering. Oh, another comrade has fallen to the clutches of evil villainy. Have you not taken enough for your feel evil? When will you be sated? Boo, see if you can resuscitate him. My dearest Minsk, I'm afraid... All my bodily strength has left me, and my very spirit itself is beyond my grasp. I'm not sure how much longer I'll be here. 
Minsk stifled a heaving sob. Before I could respond, Herr Delise appeared to me in both his handsomeness and his bardic skills, rushed to my side, cradling my head within his lap. He pushed my hair from my face gently. He held my gaze with his piercing, beautiful eyes. My dearest raven, please do forgive this sparrow for being unable to protect you. Viconia, our party's dark elf cleric, glared down as if offended by all the noise, her expression sour. Oh, stop your whining and get up already. I am embarrassed to be present for your pathetic mewling. Jahira, my long-time friend and guardian, was also unamused. While I often find your theatrics charming, Callius, surely we have more pressing matters to attend to. Oh, you're absolutely right, Jahira. I'm not dead yet. A laugh came from a stone platform above us well out of reach. A tall woman with grey skin and black hair peered down at us with blood-red eyes. Her fanged smile glinted in delectable glee. It was Bodhi, Irenicus's vampire sister. Yet, being the lingering factor, I'm afraid your life shan't be a worry for much longer. A pity you have proven resilient beyond all expectations. It is appealing to me. Appealing enough that you should allow me to live? Not quite, though I am willing to postpone your death for the sake of my own amusement. Your abilities have piqued my interest, and since you are to die, I would love to have you do so in an entertaining fashion. Do your worst, Bodhi. I do not fear you. You should. You must run my gauntlet to prolong your life. It is the darkest part of this asylum, a test of clarity for its prisoners. Now that my brother and I have taken it, that place is mine to control. It is a masterpiece of madness, one that you shall come to know intimately. It has been some time since I have given chase to a worthy foe. Enter the maze of this place and seek an exit. I give you time to run, after which I will come to feed. The hunt begins. In a shriek of laughter, Bodhi vanished into a dark fall. In the corner of our prison, I saw Imowen, alive and awake. Tears welled in her eyes as she moved towards me. I met her and clasped her in a tight embrace. I'm sorry, Callius. I, I was just so worried. Never mind that. Are you hurt? What did he do to you? I, I don't know, really. S same thing he did to you, I guess. We are... The same. Callius, he showed me what you are and and what I am. Children of Baal. And then he took it away. I don't know who I am now. Pang of regret stung in my heart. How could I have missed that Imowen was a child of the god of murder like me? She had always felt like a sister to me, but now it seems that connection was more real than ever. You may not feel it yet, but his spell has made me feel hollow. He took something vital. He says it was my divine soul. I found out I'm a child of a god, and now I'm empty and dying. We'll survive by helping each other. 
like you helped me in the dream during the spell. Irenicus's ritual had sent me to a dreamlike version of our home in Candlekeep. There, Imowen came to me and helped me face an aspect of Baal, our father, who sought to slay me there. The dream? Gallius, I, I had no dream during my ritual. Just blackness and my will draining away. Did it affect you differently than me? You've been dealing with Baal's essence longer, but perhaps you are more focused. Perhaps it's, it's more focused on you. What do you mean? We are the same now that you were aware of being a ball spawn, aren't we? I, I don't know. You're describing something very different than what I experienced. Whatever the case, we're faced with a similar fate. I've been getting weaker, Callius. It's only been a few days since they performed the ritual on me. If Bodhi was serious about giving us time, getting out of here, and getting back to Arenicus, maybe our only chance at living. If we don't reverse what was done, if we don't restore our souls, we'll both probably die. Then we should leave right now. No more wasted time. We bandaged our remaining wounds and checked stock on our supplies. Luckily, Bodhi let us keep our weapons and equipment. She probably considered us all more of a challenge if we were near our full strength. With no other path before us, we traversed into the dark caverns of Bodhi's gauntlet. The dim tunnels cradled silence nestled within pitch darkness, which Jahira dispersed when she summoned a bead of sunlight to illuminate the path. We moved until we spotted a light up ahead, and the tunnel opened into a room with a tall statue sporting many faces, likely our first test. I signaled to the party that I would enter first, and as I stepped inside, the statue's eyes glowed with magic and spoke with a voice that I could hear in my mind. Face this face and answer you. Exit with the answers that free. Pain is the price of failure. Aha! A statue of riddles, I see. I was relieved for a test of the mind as my body still felt like it had been trampled by a stampede of owlbears. Yes, to pass this threshold, thou must possess the sharpest of minds and the fiercest of wits. Few prove they are worthy to move beyond. All right, I'll give it my best shot. Of all of your possessions, I am the hardest to guard. If you have me, you will want to share me. If you share me, you will no longer have me. Hmm. That one is tricky. Ah! I have it! A secret. Your answer is satisfactory. Next round. The life I lead is mere hours or less. I serve all of my time by being consumed. I am quickest when thin. Slowest when fat, and wind is the bane of the gift I bring. Hmm, another tough one. Oh, I'll have to go with a candle. Hmm, your answer is satisfactory. Next round. The more there is, the less that you see. 
Squint. All you. Darkness! I was not finished. Oh, my apologies. It wasn't darkness then? Your answer is satisfactory. Next round. I am free for the... Breath! Your answer is satisfactory. Lighter than... Ice! They come... Stars! I... Fish! You... Shadows! Holes! A sponge! Can we keep this moving? I have places to be. Your answers are satisfactory. You may pass. The statue rumbled and rose magically off of the floor, revealing a tunnel behind. The rocky passage continued until the ground became flat and smooth. The light revealed a perfectly cut hallway made from stone. The ceiling, walls, and floor were all smooth as glass. Likely the next obstacle of Bodhi's gauntlet, however unassuming it may seem. Be careful, everyone. This chamber looks innocuous, but it is likely threat. Keep your guards up and... Enough talk! Evil must be faced, face to face, followed by face to boot. Boo, you stay here and guard the others. Don't let them out of your sight. Boo squeaked affirmatively as the little hamster was tossed upon my shoulder. Meanwhile, I march forward too. After Minsk took his second step into the hallway, an earth-shattering slam hit as the left wall suddenly closed to meet the right, and Minsk disappeared between them. After a moment, in our stunned silence, the stone wall scraped slowly back into place, unveiling a bloody and crushed Minsk upon the ground. Minsk! No! Viconia! You're a cleric of Shar. You must have some type of uh, resurrection magics. Please, hurry. I have one diamond for such a spell. I was hoping to save it, in case we lost one of the more useful members of this lot. I still tolerate Jahira for her healing magics. Barely. And I would revive here to least, lest we all fall prey to your dramatic wailings at your beloved's demise. But the blessings of Shar were not meant for simpletons like him. Please, Fyconia, we cannot go on without Minsk. Just think of poor little Boo, all alone in the world. I cradled the hamster in my hands. Boo's eyes looked up at Fyconia, welling with tears. Oh, all right, cease your pathetic simpering. I'll revive the lummox. Viconia produced a brilliant, shining diamond from her satchel, and it illuminated with bright, magical light. The shadows around us grew deeper, and Viconia's eyes shrouded black as she began the incantation. Dark murmurs snaked around us as tendrils of darkness swirled into a vortex around Minsk's lifeless body. With a thunderous boom and a flash of blinding light, silence again amongst the chamber. After our vision cleared, we could see Minsk, healthy and uncrushed, unconscious on the ground. Viconia slapped Minsk hard across the face, the sound echoing down the chamber. Minsk shot up with a heavy gasp. Aha! Minsk has survived your encounter, deadliest of walls. With the might of righteousness on our side, we cannot be stopped. Boo! Are the others still safe? 
The hamster squeaked affirmative in response. Good work! I knew I could count on you, my furry friend! Let us press forward! Minsk leapt to standing in a single hop and pivoted to continue down the hall. Hedelise grabbed Minsk's collar and dragged him back after the first step, just barely saving him as the wall collided inward again with a thunderous smash. Oh, ho, ho, a trap! You are a sneaky one, evil! But Minsk's companions have sniffed out your deadly stench. We shall not be so easily tricked! How are we going to get across now? We do have spells of haste we can use. Oh, but I don't think that would be fast enough. Well, I, I did pick up these boots of speed in my travels. Stolen them off a stingy merchant. Could you cast one of your haste spells on me as well? That's an awfully risky venture. Even if you do make it, we only have your pair of boots. How would we get everyone across? Imowen gave me a sly smirk and wiggled her fingers. A spectral vision of her own hand appeared in the air, wiggling likewise. She pinched her fingers, and the hand pinched its own onto her boot. All right, let's try it. Hedelise cast his haste spell on Imowen, and I watched her concentrate to activate the boots' magics as well. Readying herself, she shot off in a sprint. She zoomed far into the chamber before the wall slammed again. My heart shot up as Imowen left my sight again, and I pushed down the thoughts of losing her so soon after rescuing her. The wall scraped slowly back into position, but on the far side, next to the door, stood Imowen, waving her arm. She slipped her boots off, and her spirit hand plucked them up, hovering back towards us. Moments later, the boots landed in my arms, the spirit hand gave a courteous wave, and then vanished. All right, I'll go next. Minsk will send you after. Hedelise, do you have enough magic to send the others through? Aye, my raven, I suspect I do, although my magical capabilities will be rather spent for the day. But never fear, for you can still trust in my blades. I put on Imowen's boots and felt the tingle of Hedelise's magics dance over me. With a breath, I sprinted to the other side and stopped suddenly as Imowen caught me, the thunderous boom of the wall closing behind me, shaking the room. I caught my breath, and Imowen sent the boots back across. As they traveled, I carefully opened the door into the next chamber, eager to have an idea of what our next challenge might be. The other end of the darkened chamber was in clear sight, as dim torchlight shone on either side of the doorway. However, inside I could see dozens of sarcophagi long dormant tombs of bodies long ago laid to rest likely once the tortured souls of the spellhold asylum likely once the tortured souls of the spellhold asylum patients of the cowled wizards who ran this place before john arenicus staged a coup from within we would need to pass through such a place quietly but i had no doubt that my party and i could make it through with our stealth and tact Coming through! A blur rushed past as Mint sprinted like a lightning bolt past me and Imowen through the door and into the next chamber. I winced at the sound of a large crash inside. Ha <laughs> ha! Oh, Minsk has never felt such great speeds! Are you still with me, Boo? The hamster scurried out from behind Minsk's shoulder and 
as he lay amongst the shattered remains of a stone sarcophagus. Luckily, these stones were here to brace my impact. Look, they were even filled with soft bandages to cushion the blow. Now that is forward thinking. Minsk held up a string of old, rotten bandages. The rubble beneath him shuddered as a mummified hand broke through. Minsk shot up and cleaved his blade into the arm, ending its movements. However, the sounds of shifting stone lids grew around him. Haunted screeching of long-dead mummies crescendoed in the dusty chamber. Hurry, Imowen. Send the boots back. We have to get the others across. Imowen's spectral hand carried her boots back across. The mummies crawled out from their tombs and dropped to the floor, their bones creaking and cracking as they stood. Minsk readied his weapon as the undead shuffled towards him. He sliced through the first two, but a dozen more soon came behind, threatening to overwhelm him. Imowen's boots arrived back at the others. Straggling mummies noticed our presence, however, and began shuffling towards Imowen and I. Hedelise! We have undead over here! Send Viconia next! Viconia's holy abilities would make quick work of these once-living corpses. We just had to wait for reinforcements. I watched Hedelise catch the boots, and I turned to face the approaching mummies. Ha-ha! I threw a pocket of glitter dust to blind the aging dead, but forgot that most of their eyes had already desiccated from their skulls. The mummies continued unimpeded. With a rush of wind and another slam of the walls, Jahira arrived with us. What? Jahira, I'm most happy at your arrival, but I have requested Viconia, as she has a specialty in dealing with the undead here. Jahira shot me a harsh glance, but held her tongue. Don't underestimate the powers of nature, Callius the Humble. Mummies hissed through their dry throats as they charged. Jihira opened her arms wide, and the rush of a summer wind blew past us. Thick vines grew and burst from the ground to entangle the feet of the mummies. Some of their ankles snapped as they fell into the writhing vines. However, the mummies still kept persistent in their efforts towards us. Jihira pulled off the boots of speed, and Imowen lifted them back across with her magic. Jahira strained to hold the vines as mummies poured in through the doorway, pressing us dangerously close to the crushing walls behind us. I jabbed at one of their decaying faces with my rapier, spearing it through the skull, but it kept its march onward. One of the mummies lunged at me, and I sprang backward with a very manly, heroic yelp and bumped into Imowen in the process. The concentration on her magic was interrupted, and a spectral hand fizzled, dropping the boots in the center of the hallway, halfway across. Viconia and Handelise still waited on the other side. Callius, my spell dropped. We have to get those boots somehow, but the walls will crush us. Fear not, for no matter how old and decrepit the evil, it cannot hold back a hero's might. Minsk pummeled through the wrapped corpses, cracking mummy skulls with his bare shoulders. He kicked and punched and even bit his way through the undead. This looks like a job for a miniature giant space hamster. Go, Boo! Minsk gracefully tossed the little Boo through the air, sailing past Ibuwen, Jahira, and I back into the trapped hallway. 
With his diminutive size, Boo did not set off the pressure plates to release the crushing walls. He skittered and scampered towards the boots of speed. Minsk bludgeoned his way into the doorway and braced himself with his limbs in each corner, halting the mummy's advance. Jihira blasted past Minsk's body with motes of sunlight, and I gave the crusted ne'er-do-wells a scathing bout of insults. Minsk's muscles held as dozens of mummies pushed against his back, his fingers and boots cracking into the stone doorframe. Boo picked up the boots in his hamster teeth and scurried back to Viconia, who swiftly donned them. Here, Delisa's magic sent the drow priestess racing through the hallway, making it just before the wall slammed behind her. Holding her holy symbol of Shar, goddess of darkness and pain, around her neck, Viconia's eyes grew covered in shadow once more. In the name of Shar, return back to the dark rest from whence you came. A pulse of shadow burst forth from Viconia's body, striking the mummies and turning their bandages and bones to dust, scattering in the shockwave. A cloud of dust was all that remained of the wakened dead. As the trap wall settled one last time, Imowen sent the boots back to Herr Delise, who promptly sped across to rejoin us. He caught me as he stopped, spinning me in his arms. Oh, oh well, uh, glad you could make it. I... Do hope the magic wasn't too much of an expenditure. Herdelis sighed, exhaustion peeking through his eager smile. Ah, I uh, need a night's rest, and the sparrow shall be good as new, my raven. Tarry not on my account. Viconia pushed past us harshly and made for the exit. Once again I find myself pulling the weight of this entire party behind me. Let us continue so we may be done with this place. We marched through dark catacombs, old pathways of damp stone riddled with cobwebs. The light felt especially low here, the darkness threatening to bite down and swallow you whole. Only Jahira's dappled boat of sunlight let us see our hands in front of our eyes. A familiar, sinister voice came through the shadows. Here, mousy, mousy. The hunt draws to a close here and now. I called out into the dark. Come now, Bodhi. There must be something I can do to appease you. Her voice came from all around, sourceless. My ears picked up the sounds of more feet. She was not alone. I know I'm here early, but I just couldn't bear to see you leave. You are amusing, but the game is over. One last time, let our paths cross in blood. In a blink, Bodhi appeared from the shadows and dashed towards me. Before my rapier left its sheath, her claws sliced through my chest. Blood sprayed across the walls. Imowen shouted and launched a sphere of sparkling energy in my defense. Bodhi retreated unharmed, smiling. I fell to one knee. Clutching my wounds as vampire servants breached the darkness, licking the delicious taste of blood in the air. Two rushed at me in pincer formation, ready to kill. Minsk's shoulder slammed one into the wall before they could get to me. Hedelise met the other's claws with a flourish of his blades. Others swarmed in, but Jahira strengthened her sunlight, causing them to cover their eyes, hissing. Bodhi stepped towards me, unbothered by Jahira's life. 
her eyes shining like a cat with a trapped mouse. Imuin stepped in to block her path, but Bodhi flung her aside like a paperweight. I readied my crossbow, but before I could loose a shot, Bodhi plunged her claws deep into my heart. A wicked smile curled upon her lips as she thrust even deeper. She laughed as I coughed up blood. She brought her face to mine, savoring the moment. A confident smirk stretched on her face. The sight of her pale smile faded out as my life left me. A terrible chill swept over me as I felt myself die. No, I thought to myself. I have come too far to let this be the end. I grabbed Bodhi's arm, wrist deep into my chest, and she cackled at the futile gesture. Something surged from within me, something angry and dark. Bodhi's smile fell as she felt the sudden strength I gripped her with. Anger boiled in my veins, and blood steamed from my fresh wounds. With a growl, I pulled her hand out of my chest. She now tried to pull away, confused as she could not rip herself from my grasp. What is this? Shadows along the walls deepened and collected around me. Bodhi fought back, but moved no further from me. The fear on her face dripped into me like a sweet nectar. Now it was my turn to laugh. My body began to swell, muscles bulging. My nails sharpened into dagger-like claws. My teeth snapped into fangs. My skin boiled into scales made of shadow, and spikes burst forth from each limb. Bodhi recoiled in horror as her wrist was held in my gnarled talons. I launched her down the hallway like throwing a rag doll. Her body cracked the stone wall and landed hard on the floor. Before Bodhi's underlings could shake their surprise, I tore one of their heads clean from their shoulders, and they puffed into a harmless vapor. Bodhi pushed herself off of the floor, her face locked in horror. A creature of pure death and darkest shadow. Child of Baal, what have you become? Away. Aurenicus must know of this. We will observe from a distance. Before the others could run, I rushed forward. My claws ran clean through one of the vampire's hearts and out their back. They gurgled on their blood like a sweet melody. Another I bit into with crushing jaws, bursting their ribcage in a snap like a percussive symphony. With her underlings destroyed, I looked back to Bodhi, wondering what beautiful music I might make with her. She flashed into the shape of a bat and fled. I gave a mighty roar so that she might never forget my anger, my power. May the memory haunt her for all her days, for everything she has done to me, for all the hurt she caused us, me, and Imowen. 
I turned back to see my party, my companions, my form towering over them. Their faces gave way to shock and dread. At first, I felt confusion. We were victorious. What were they afraid of? Then their fear struck deep inside me. I stumbled, and the room began to spin. I woke up some time later on the floor, Imowen cradling my head in her lap. Her eyes held deep concern. Are... are you all right? I... I've never seen anything like that. Callius, what... that was... that was the Slayer. It's... it's... it's one of the avatars of Baal. You... you became the Slayer. Every nerve in my body screamed. Just breathing was pain. The what? How do you know that? I've, I've read the descriptions of the Slayer before. Callius, we've got to get our souls back from Bodhi. And Arenicus, you've, you've been left empty, and it's affecting you differently than me. I looked down to find the wound left from Bodhi's claws in my chest, perfectly healed. My silk tunic was ruined, but that was the least of our concerns. The others surrounded us, each several steps back and silent. None of them would look me in the eye. Even Herr Delis looked away, an uncharacteristic uncertainty covering his oft-confident visage. Imowen helped me to stand shakily. Let's keep moving, my voice creaked out. We found the staircase leading upward, hopefully out of the asylum and to our freedom. The climb was tiring and quiet. No one spoke after the fight with Bodhi. I did my best to lead, but grew ever more weary with each step. I stopped, crouched on the crumbling stone steps to catch my breath. My companions continued past. Viconia passed briskly without a glance, her steely gaze fixed ahead. Jahira's brow was wound taut with tension, but she kept her words inside, stoic as an unbending tree. Minsk simply had a sad look, as if someone had spoken an unkind word. Boo cowered and shivered on his shoulder. Edelis stopped for but a moment to offer a pained glance, but did not reach out a hand to help. Imowen bent down and put my arm over her shoulder and hoisted me up. We walked together upon the winding stairs. We entered the laboratory chamber where hours before Irenicus had plucked my very soul. But the cold metal room was far from empty now. Yoshima, once our friend, until he betrayed us to Irenicus, stood to face us, blades drawn. Half a dozen of Arenicus's assassins flanked him from behind, similarly armed. Yoshimo's look was grim and determined. There you are, I see. Why do you continue to resist? You are dead inside already. Arenicus has seen to it. He has left me here to finish your physical shell, as it seems his sister has failed to do so. Yoshimo, how could you do this? We had traveled so long together. How could you serve a monster like Arenicus? A pain sadness marred Yoshimo's face. 
I can't fight it, Callius. I can't. I was in Aranicus's service before we met, and all those that follow him must undergo a geish spell, a magical compulsion. I was willing at the time, but now? Do you... Do you know what happens when you try to defy such magic? It hurts. It hurts, and then you die. His spells are powerful, Callius. So powerful. I can help you, Yoshimo. It doesn't have to be like this. I believe it does. I can wither and die for failing to kill you. Or I can fall in battle and pray that my heart will find purchase and ill matter. No redemptions. No second chances. Let us get this over with. I stride into the hell that Aranicus promised. Ill matter take my heart. I have no choice. I moved behind my party for cover, still wounded and exhausted from my transformation. Edelise stepped in to close the opening between Yoshimo and I, his blades shielding me from harm. The rest of the party kept the assassins occupied. Yoshimo leapt for Herr Delise, both pairs of blades clashing. Their swords rang in a symphony of steel, but Yoshimo fought like a man with his life on the line, and he moved with fresh agility. Herr Delise, noting his sagging speed, conjured illusions of himself surrounding Yoshimo. <laughs> Your illusions will not save you, Herr Delise. My blade will only meet Callius the Humble. Leave him to me, and I may spare your life. I'm afraid I have to decline your offer, Yoshimo. If my dance ends here, so be it. But this sparrow still seeks to fly alongside his raven, even if but a little longer. Yoshimo sliced with whirling fury, banishing Herr Delisa's illusions with swift strokes of his blades. Yoshimo growled, unable to find the real bard. His eyes turned back to catch me. Yoshimo dashed past the many Herr Delisa's and leapt at me. I saw the fury and death in his eyes. I could hope to parry one sword, but not two. I covered my eyes before the sound of steel piercing leather and flesh ripped into the room. But I opened my eyes to find Yoshimo's swords had not landed. I had not been harmed. Yoshimo stood before me, his eyes wide. Blood began to trickle down the front of his armor. Herr Delise appeared, an invisibility spell fading, revealing his blade plunged through Yoshimo's chest. Herr Delise removed his weapon with one fluid motion, and Yoshimo fell to his knees. I caught him and held Yoshimo's head in my lap as he gave his dying words. Aranicus, he fled through the portal. <coughs> Please, I am gasped his last breath and fell limp in my arms. Viconia blasted an assassin apart with fire, and Jahira blinded the others with sunlight while Minsk cut them down. Yoshimo's body still lay in my arms, cold and lifeless. He had been a stalwart companion and a trusted friend. I knew what I must do. My party members shrieked in horror as I cut out Yoshimo's heart. By the branches of Sylvanus Callius, what are you doing? What? He said very specifically, and I quote, Ilmater, take my heart. So I'm helping him get his heart to Ilmater. 
so that he might find redemption with his god in the afterlife. My raven, while I admire your devotion to our once beloved compatriot, perhaps you need not hold such fervent devotion too literally. Heedless of my friends, I gingerly dropped Yoshimo's heart in a sack for safekeeping. I would not leave Yoshimo's prayers unanswered, even in death. The machines in the chamber were dark and lifeless. The room was empty of the hum of electricity. The portal Yoshimo had motioned to was now inactive, but it seemed to still be functioning. Toggling around with strange knobs and levers, I fiddled with the device until a blast of light struck. A swirling portal had opened. To where it went, I knew not. Only that Arenicus and Bodhi had gone through, Imoen's soul and mine with them as well. With no other choice afforded us, we dived together into the portal. Oh my god. Oh, are we, are we stopping for talking? Can we stop for talk? Yeah, there's <laughs> so much you gotta talk about. I, I, can I, Celeste, are you comfortable if I sing your praises for a moment? Is that okay? Fuck yeah. Okay. I just make sure. Some some people are not okay, and that's that's totally okay, but I want to make sure. Oh no. I love, not only, I want to double check to make sure before I say this, Callius's class is technically barred, correct? Yes. Yes, just making sure, which which again goes to my point here. I love that Callius, like we talked about before, Callius is kind of this, he's he's not this typical, uh, not typical, but like, he's not like the, the the warrior going straight into bar. Like, Callius uses his words, and he's so meticulous with what he says, and he has such a personality. I love, though, during his transformation into the Slayer, the way you described the killing of Bodhi's uh, uh, bodyguards and the symphony and the music they create for for Callius as the Slayer, I thought was such a great way of mending his love of being a bard and music into that carnage and and destruction. I thought you, you the way you described it was amazing. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Thank you. I, w- I will give myself a pat on the back because I did feel clever when I wrote that. <laughs> it was fantastic. It was such a great way of incorporating... I, I think, tell me what you think, please, incorporating Callius' love of music and, and theatrics and, and just finding that musical sense in that in that act of, like, ferocity and death. Very cool. I loved it. I loved it. it was such a... He did Callius kind of, I, I would say, like, lost himself in that moment, but but then that, that essence of his love of music kind of came through still. To me, it seems like. At least. Yeah, it's this very interesting part in the story where in the game that transformation just suddenly happens to your character. You have no control over that, and they just become uh, uh, just just this this monster of a force uh, yeah. that just starts ripping through everyone. Uh, and and it, so it was just it was just this very big drama point in the story. Whereas in the games, you 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 know the the two like main choices are do you, you know do you resist the temptation of your heritage as a child of murder you know do you do you do you push that away as you become a noble stalwart hero defending the peoples of the land or do you give in to it do you let the the the, the temptations of that of that power and the and the, the glorious revelry of that carnage just consume you yeah um, 
and I thought for Callie's is very much going with the the former choice. That's a that's a big drama point to kind of just almost have that overtaken. Right, especially after that that pivotal moment as Bodie's like her hand is in his chest, like through it, right? Like and like my jaw dropped. I don't know if you guys saw this when you're like when you're reading uh, Celeste. Like I was like how. Has Kelly's come back from that? Like, it just seemed like a moment. I was like, as for Bodhi, that makes a lot of sense. She's not going to play fair. You know what I mean? She's going to tease and and then and then do whatever she wants to to, to kill Kelly's, move on. But I love how that turns around on her and Kelly's now has discovered this new part of himself, which sounds like a lot of people are not loving or feeling very uncomfortable with. Um, surprising, even Minsk, Minsk and Boo, who I just fair characters of this i just love minsk so much um but even even minsk's sadness being able yeah. to just be so evident on his face i think it's just so embarrassing minsk would do anything for callius and to see him in that that shape i think really says a whole lot for that character yeah oh, and also i want to sing your praises because i love i love uh your voices for minsk and jahira they're so good <laughs> they're all so very good. incredible they're all incredible yeah. yeah. oh yes sorry yeah. I, they are but yes definitely the, those are yeah yeah it's just very good, Ryan. How are you feeling after? I, I mean, I think three? I certainly want to part echo uh, part part three. Uh, I certainly want to echo. Um, oh yeah, chapter four, part three. Uh, I certainly want to echo yeah, what yeah. you're saying. <laughs> uh, the writing is incredible. The the way at which the um, it is so visual and so transformative in the way that it is written. And then it also feels, which this is something that is incredibly difficult to do, that, like, there is a voice because Callius is telling the story. Like you were saying, Eric, there is, like, a voice that carries through to all of this. And and it feels like it is being told from that perspective in an incredibly genuine way that is so difficult to do, that is so well done. And it, it makes these stories so elevated and so much more meaningful, where a lot of times when, we're, when we try to, as best we can, like take stories that don't have a lot there and add to them in a way that you are so good at, Celeste, um, it's, 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 it's incredible. Um, and, and, and I guess then going back to the story itself, it is such an, like, what a perfect arc and dramatic moment for that character to go through and the worst thing that Callie's could experience is like nothing from from their friends right no words of it's going to be okay like they are terrified of this person who cares so much about them and it, it is such a cool and interesting character arc um that i'm really excited to see where it goes and uh man so many uh echoes of boulder's gate 3 and a lot of this too which is is so cool uh, as well not to spoil anything but but yeah it's it's celeste i don't i don't know how you get a job in doing this but you're so good at it so incredibly good at it um if there was a way i could we could get you there you it would it would yeah it, you're just so good at this yeah wow honestly oh my goodness. thank you I, I take all my little fun compliments from you guys and I put them on a the little shelf in my heart. <laughs> yeah. I just open that up and I'm like, oh yeah, that was really nice. Yeah, yeah. May, may I ask a question? Yeah. I in the in the part when uh, y- Yoshimo, I I feel for Yoshimo, I truly do. I feel like Yoshimo is a tragic character, uh, and I his fight with Herdelis was that a part of the game? Or was that your choice, Celeste, to have that play out the way it did? Because I love that Herdelis 
though very uh, feeling very conflicted with what's going on with Callius, still his actions kind of define his feelings that moment. And he's honest too. He wants to have moments with Callius as long as he can. Uh, but then his actions to fight and then ultimately, uh, and ultimately kill Yoshimo, I think really speaks to Herodelis' true feelings for Callius, despite the, the conflict that Herodelis is facing. Absolutely. Um, yeah, because as, as y'all know, the, the, you know, a lot of the dialogue in this, I've just kind of ripped out from the game. So where I get to really, uh, uh, try to shine with my own voice and writing in it is just through all of the narration and the the fight scenes in this I really tried to because in the game I it's like it looks like a bunch of Minecraft people from 30 feet away all just kind of smashing on each other with some various particle effects coming through while a little a little a little a text roll at the bottom of the screen says like this person attacks that person this person casts this spell this person takes four fire damage and um so it's not as like cinematic and riveting to like watch um so it's like yeah you do you come back and if you brought Yoshimo with you he's there to fight uh at this point in time and so I I I just really try to focus on like who's you know because there's you know it's a lot of fighting it's a it's a D&D story and it's a, an action adventure so I try to I try to look at each thing through the story and think like who's got like a good beat here and I just like that idea of Callius is just like, he's had his soul ripped out. He's had the shit kicked out of him. Uh, he just transformed into a, into a, a, a terrible dark monster. It's so like, he's exhausted. He's not fighting here. Uh, even on a good day, you know, Callius is not a melee fighter. So a dude with two swords running at him is like, no, I need to leave. Yes, please. Goodbye. Um, uh, I, I thought that was a really good spot where Herdelis is a bard, but one who is more, uh, you know, his his, his skill set is very uh, a strong experience in like getting up front, melee fighting, and swordplay. He died so many times when I played the game because he is he's he's still as squishy as a bard, but he's like, but you just pop a haste spell on him and he does like three attacks per second, and it's, it's a fun time. But but yeah, I thought I thought you know Herdelis, his character, even with the any doubts that he has with this 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 dark revelation uh, of Callius and the Slayer, it's still gonna come to his aid. It's not gonna just let him get killed there. Um, so I liked them fighting where Herdelis has his his swordplay and his magic, where Yoshimo is like a straight up full fledged like fighter. Chapter 5. I waited for my vision to clear from the bright vortex of the portal, as well as for the magical vertigo to subside. Once my eyes adjusted, I could see we were somewhere dark, underground. The rest of my party fell in behind me, exiting from the portal's magic. The rocky walls of massive caverns surrounded us, lit only by glowing fungi dotting the terrain. This place was no mere cave dungeon, however. This was the Underdark. I remembered the legends of adventurers traveling leagues beneath the surface of civilization to this wild and deadly place. Dark and terrible creatures of alien origin rummaged through the tunnels and caves of the Underdark to say nothing of the vile stories elves on the surface had of their grey-skinned counterparts here. 
As a drow herself, Viconia's face tightened with recognition as she took in the familiar surroundings. So, I am in my homeland once again. Already I feel how unwelcome it has become. My eyes are no longer used to its darkness, and my senses hint of the threat around every corner. We must tread with caution, Callius the Humble. There are, no doubt, other drow in this place, along with beholders, elithids, kuotoa, and perhaps even worse. The denizens here will expect no mercy and will offer none. If we are to survive long enough to find your Irenicus, we must be stronger than any of them. Our torches bore the only light, save for the occasional glowing mushrooms along the rocky walls, or the vanishing beads of eyes watching distantly in the dark. After a few hours marching over slippery rock and climbing jagged cliffs, a peculiar sound caught my ear, something I had never expected in a place like this. A melody! I followed the sound of the tune and its iridescent melisma. It sounded like a bright sunrise to a new day, like the pure waters of a babbling brook with a fresh scent of a fine meal inside a quaint and comfy cottage. How oh, I must know what creature weaves such beautiful music in this dark and dreary place. I wandered into a cave, my party following behind, where the song rang off the stone walls, beckoning with light deeper within. Before me, as I entered, I saw the sight of a silver dragon, its majestic scales gleaming. Welcome. Welcome to my lair. I am known as Adelon. I have watched your progress with great interest. Flabbergasted at the sight of a goodly dragon, I quickly composed myself and gave a generous bow. Well, I must be a grand sight if I interest the eyes of a silver dragon. Do not presume to be in my good graces, Callius the Humble. I am not as tolerant as others of my kind. Listen well to what I say. I am the guardian of an ancient elven temple above us that marks the gateway to the Underdark. The two that you seek, this Bodhi and Aranicus, have made a deal with the drow for their own safe passage and offered a way to tip the scales against their elven enemy. I would have intervened had Aranicus not stolen my most prized possessions to bargain with the drow. They have taken my eggs. Oh! Vile creatures! Such a crime is unthinkable! You must retrieve them for me. Do this, and I will grant you safe passage to leave the Underdark. You and your party will take the identity of a group of drow I have dispatched recently. One that was destined for the city of Ustnatha. Jahira winced at the thought. To become a ruthless and cunning drow... Do not look forward to that. Viconia smirks. An improvement, I think, one that you should relish as a brief glimpse of your betters. Silence. This is a very important matter, and I will not be interrupted. I will transform you so you may pass among the drow with ease. 
I'm sure the drow you travel with now will serve as a fountain of knowledge in this endeavor. Adelon's eyes shone bright with draconic magic. Our party, save for Viconia, was lifted into the air. Silver light danced around us, melding into an immaculate illusion. A moment later, and we were back on the ground, but we each had skin matching the gray, ashen complexion of Viconia, along with stark, white hair. Even Boo had become a darkened, fearsome, gray hamster with blood-red eyes. You may rest here, in my lair, this night, and leave in the morning. With our dark elven disguises set, we set up camp in Adelon's lair that night. My body was exhausted, and I couldn't help but feel a deep emptiness inside me as I waited for sleep to take You came too late. Didn't I say you would come too late? You will learn to trust me. Imowen's voice echoed around me. This was a dream. I was back in the libraries of Candlekeep again, where I grew up. Where we grew up. Last time I was here in my dreams, I had fought some aspect of the god Baal himself. Irenicus had worked his dark magics to rip my very soul from me. Imowen now stood there before me, as she had before. Don't be afraid. You are safe here. If you behave, I will show you what fills the void, what is now free. The tone in Imowen's voice was tinged with an oily sweetness. There was no hint of innocence, but a deeper shadow of hunger. You are not Imowen. She said she has not had any dreams like these. A long haunting smile crept across Imowen's face, or whatever being this was using her visage. Figures walked in from the shadows of the library behind her. I saw the vague faces of my companions standing there. I lurk behind your soul, in the very fiber of your being. I'm the only thing left when mind and reason are stripped away. I will show you what you can be and what you can do. If you simply let yourself become what you are, I can show you all of this because I am within. I am what fills the void. I am you. Imowen roared and her body transformed into a terrible, spiked monster. The Slayer sliced through Minsk and Jahira before they could land a blow. It silenced Viconia with a claw to her throat before she could finish her holy incantations. Herdelis brandished his dual swords, dodging the creature's strikes. But the Slayer pounced, and Herdelis could not avoid its massive form, his body crushed under the monster's weight. The Slayer morphed back into Imowen, a satisfied grin etching across her blood-stained face. You are being given a gift. It is a valuable prize, one that you had better appreciate. She motioned behind her to my slain friends. You worry for your companions, perhaps. Leave them. Abandon them. 
and become what you must. There is great power in your heritage. Use it, and you will become closer to what you are, what you could be. Feel what is in the void. Use the tools that you are being given. Become part of something greater. I am you, and I know what is best. Bodhi and Arenicus walked in now, standing behind Imowen, eyes locked on me. Imowen smiled in ecstasy as she grew into the Slayer again. Each time you use it, each time you accept it, you move a little closer to the murder within. Perhaps you will lose yourself in the end, but you go to a greater reward than you can know. After all, what does an eternity of nothingness matter when you can destroy all that oppose you as easy as one? She swiped through Bodhi, cleaving her in half. Two. Another swipe crumpled Renicus's body like nothing. The Slayer turned back, its hungry maw focused on me. Three. And the Slayer lunged for me. I woke up in a cold sweat, chest heaving. Hedelise lay next to me, already awake. Oh, um, <laughs> excuse me, um, don't mind me. I just had some nasty dreams about uh, witches. <laughs> yes, evil, cruel witches with boiling cauldron and spiders in their hair. <laughs> Live in the swamp, oh, it's so. Head Elise gave only a quizzical look. Are you afraid? Of what? Anything. Everything. Irenicus, this place, your thoughts. Arriving too late? I dropped my pretense to speak plainly. I'm afraid of all of it. And more. I am fearful as well. This darkness feels much like the bars of a great cage. Even this eternal black pales in comparison to the shadow that's in your eyes. Do not think me blind to you, Callius. I see you. I am struck with fear. Fear for you. You mean fear of me? I'm a monster. No, never, my raven. You must never say such things. Once you believe it, it will become truth, and that is a terrifying prospect. He leaned over and took my hands in his. You are Callius the Humble, strong and courageous. Let no one destroy you, especially not yourself. Now come, I delay our rest needlessly, and the mage with your soul goes farther away with every moment that passes. After awakening... We left Adalon's lair en route towards the drow city of Ust-Nathar. After a few hours' march, we stood mimicking a soldier patrol at the city's massive, dark gates. Drow sentries atop the walls spotted us as we approached. Who is there? You are drowned, but there is no scheduled patrols this day. Identify yourselves. Viconia leaned in to whisper to me. Stand strong, Callius. The drow cower before no one, least of all their own. 
I will speak to this worm of a male. You there! We are from the city of Ched Nassad, and you will let us pass. We require rest and the service of your temples. An uncomfortable pause held in the air. Your welcome is conditional upon meeting him. If you fail him, you will be hunted for sport by all who care to join. The dark iron gates shuddered and opened for our entry. I advise caution in this place. We are fortunate not to be taken hostages as foreigners and sold as slaves. If they mean for us to prove our place, we must serve the matrons utterly. Any misstep, no matter how slight, will draw the attention of the Spider Queen's watchers. Remember, absolute obedience to those of greater rank, especially the handmaidens of Lolf and the matron mothers. To those of equal or lesser rank, no mercy. Otherwise, take advantage of whatever favor is thrown your way. For one such as us, it is the only way to achieve what you are not born to. No mercy. It is our way. We stepped into the city of Usnathar with a display of confidence, where dozens of armored drow stood guard with him. More soldiers sparred with umber-colored weapons, hooked swords and spiked flails. The armor and architecture of the city held themes a spider's web. I pushed down the encroaching feeling of being a trapped insect. A drow officer came forward, the other soldiers snapping into an elven salute. The officer appraised our group. Ah, you are the newcomers that have been sent my way, I see. There is no refuge to be had here in Usnatha, fools. We pay for our existence with blood, and you shall do the same. My name is Solophane, and for now you shall do as I say to prove your worth to the matron mothers. Failure is death. Have you a name, Vagrant? The officer barked the question at me mere inches from my face. I kept my expression flat, and heeded Viconia's advice on how to handle the drow here. The name is Veldrin. And I demand the respect I am due, knave! <laughs> you shall hit none from me, regardless of your achievement, whelp. But your spirit may serve you well in Usnatha, if you know when to show it. For your first task in service to the mother matrons, you shall accompany me in intercepting a squadron of illithids. Mind flayers within the deep tunnels outside the city. They currently have a daughter of one of the matron mothers captive. We are to return her safely. We would send our own soldiers, but our forces are currently engaged with our hated surface kin. Do you understand, Veldrin? I gave my affirmation, and Solofane quickly led us back out of the city's walls. Another half day's walking and my feet were already beginning to chafe. Couldn't these Dark Elves design some more comfortable wear for their soldiers? I straightened myself whenever Solalfane happened to turn his head as I was rubbing my poor ankle. We marched until he gave a signal for us to find cover. We would stage an ambush then. My party and I got into position, hiding behind rocky outcroppings and large glowing toadstools, waiting for our quarry. With a flash of light, Half a dozen creatures appeared, humanoid in shape, 
but their hands were large and bulbous, with slick blue skin and a mash of tentacles sprouting from their faces. They dragged a drow behind them, her hands bound in irons, and a collar around her neck. The matron mother's daughter. I watched Solofane for the signal to attack. He waited until their backs were to us, and gave the signal. We rushed in, felling half the creatures before they could react. The survivors turned, and with a psychic blast from their minds, flung Minsk and Solofane across the cavern. Viconia and Hanelise charged in, but a hand wave from one of the mind flayers stopped them in their tracks as their eyes glazed over and they dropped their weapons. I quickly cast an invisibility spell upon myself to avoid a similar fate. I tiptoed stealthily around the aberrations and bumped into something else unseen. Callius, is that you? It's, it's Imwin. I'm invisible too. All right. They haven't noticed we're missing yet should save our friends before their brains become an afternoon snack. The mind flayers circled around our stupefied friends, revealing the serrated teeth under their slithering tentacles. Quietly, Imowen and I moved behind and skewered the creatures before they could make a meal of our companions. The mind flayers' hold fell away once they were slain, and our friends were back to normal. I shrugged away from my invisibility and undid the binds on the matron mother's daughter. Solophane, did my mother send you? Oh, how that must gull you, risking your life to save mine. I did as I was commanded, Priestess Ferry. Yes, you did, as any male should. And who is this other male with you? She turned to me. That one? That is... I'm sure he can speak for himself. Male, you have a tongue, yes? Who might you be? I am Veldrin of Chemnasad, I said, puffing my chest out proudly. A foreigner? How very odd. We shall have to speak more. You and I, once we are back to Usnatha, I can inform the matron mother of your successful service. Solofane, you should take note of this mail. It would serve you well to follow his example. Solofane growled at the comment, but held his tongue any further. With a twist of magic, Fairy vanished in dark smoke, leaving the rest of us to walk back to the city the way we came. Blasted arrogant wench! May the Spider Queen bite at her black heart. We marched back to Usnathar, and had a chance afterwards to rest our feet, thank the gods. We slept in a sparsely furnished barracks in which we were granted lodging. The next day... Sodafin came and reported that I would be accompanying him to meet with Priestess Fere for our next assignment. I followed him across the city's bridges, suspended upon colossal stalactites that hung over a bottomless dark chasm. We walked to the Temple of Lolf, where Fere waited for us. A tense silence weighed upon the air as we entered. Ah... So Veldrin of Chednasad arrives at last to greet the female that he rescued so valiantly from the clutches of the filthy mind flayers. Ah, I must have been invisible and uninvolved during the conflict I see. I was speaking to Veldrin, Salafane. When I speak to you, it shall be to command you to lick my boot. Keep your bitterness or lose your tongue. In fact, leave my sight this instant. I'll speak to Veldrin alone. 
Silverfane's jaw held back a tide of spewing rage from his mouth as he made his exit as ordered. Fere, pleased with his humiliation, turned back to me. Now ignore your emasculated commander's outburst. Feldrin, and consider this a time for reward. My mother, the Machin Argulus, was pleased with your performance. Seeing as you're so capable, Veldrin, you've been given another task to complete for the glory of Loth. You are aware of my relationship with Solophane, yes? You need not stare at me blankly. Our hostility is open and obvious. His insolence is beyond all endurance. I cannot tolerate it further without risking my position in Loth's hierarchy. But I also cannot take action that would be traced back to myself or my house without risking war. So you can take action for me. You will kill Saulophane. I tried to stifle the surprise on my face. How do you propose I do this? I have told Saulophane that you will be joining him for a mission to subjugate the local deep gnomes. You'll be alone with him outside the city, and that shall be your chance to strike. You'll not expect your true intentions. Those of my house will be first questioned for his death, but you, without allies of any house, can get away with his murder. Once you are done, take his cloak and bring it back to me here. It shall make an excellent trophy. I left, swiftly, and informed Solaufane of our mission. As we tread back into the winding tunnels of the Underdark, I considered my next course of action. Should I go through with this cold-blooded murder? Doing so would surely secure my loyalty to Fere and get me access to those dragon's eggs. But what kind of bard would I be to stab a man in the back who treats me as his ally? My party followed me as we traveled to the rendezvous point with Solarfane. All right, Veldrin. The gnomish village is just up ahead. Let us move quickly and strike swiftly, lest we test Fere's patience even more. Wait. I have new Solarfane. Fere sent me along to kill you, but I'm not going to do that. A slight twinge of shock hit Solarfane's eyes, but he hardly looked that surprised. I see. It was only a matter of time, I suppose. Fere and I were lovers once, but her mother, the matron, disapproved. Fere was tortured by the handmaidens until all that was left was her ambition, leaving me as a reminder of her weakness. But if you're not going to kill me, what do you propose we do? I'll need your cloak to prove to Fere that you are dead. Then you can go into hiding. Solophane paused for a long and silent moment, then sighed and undid the clasp of his finely made soldier's cloak. Here, take it. I... I don't know why I tell you this. Perhaps this is the mercy you show me. But I feel we drow have lost the right path. The Spider Queen's influence has turned us cruel, stabbing at each other's backs. I will seek others who feel as I do. I shall not betray your secret, Veldrin. Farewell. With Solafane's cloak in hand, I reported back to Fere at her home within the city. Her eyes went wide at the sight, as if almost unbelieving. Ah, I see you have Solophane's cloak. My darling Veldrin, he is dead, yes? Yes, of course, he is dead. Give it to me. Our love is foolish. She said and cast it into the fireplace. 
she watched the cloak burn away till nothing was left but ash. You've done well, Feldrin. You've earned a place of honor in my house. But first, you are a worthy and powerful male, worthy of my bed. I will show you an evening worth more than an eternity with all other women. Come to me. Oh, if if I must, then I suppose I have no choice. And I was swiftly dragged to Fairy's bedchambers. The next day, I rejoined my companions as we were all summoned to Fairy for a secret meeting. Fairy gave a knowing smile to me as I entered. Herr Delise must have noticed the glances he leaned into. My raven, fair be it from me to judge your bedroom companions, but might I inquire if you laid with this powerful woman to whom you've been trudging around for? Don't worry, Herr Delise. As she wasn't looking, I simply conjured an illusion and had tea downstairs. I snuck back into bed several hours later once the screams of ecstasy stopped. Ah... Very clever, my raven. Of course. You know my eyes look towards much greater prospects. I waggled my eyebrows in response towards my fellow bard. Fairy cleared her throat loudly, and I stood back in attention. Greetings, Veldrin. I have a plan. A plan that will place me as head of my house as we take a rightful place as the rulers of Asnatha. My plan includes you and your underlings. Do as I say, and the rewards will be unimaginable. In order for this to succeed, you must betray the matron mother. Are you willing to do this? Think carefully on your answer. Okay, Callius. Here we go. Can't look too eager, but we still have to sell it. First, eyes go wide in surprise at the scandal, but hide it quickly, as if I caught myself. Good, good. Then scrunch the eyebrows down in contemplation to show you're weighing the risks versus the rewards. Then purse the lips in steely determination. Pursing, pursing, got it! Now bring it home! Very well, Fairy. I will betray the matron mother, as you ask. Fairy gave a smile rich as wine. Good. The matron mother will perform a ritual to summon a demon of terrible power, one to aid in our attack upon the elves of the surface. Most importantly, we have acquired the eggs of a silver dragon. The matron mother plans to use them as an offering to the demon to enlist its aid. However, it will not be my mother making this offering, but me instead. You, Veldrin, will go into the treasury, steal the dragon eggs, and replace them with these convincing fakes I have made. Bring the real eggs to me, do you understand? I answered affirmatively, and left at once with my companions. We marched with diligence to the treasury, where the eggs were being kept. Minsk and Viconia went to distract the guards with questions while Imowen and I went invisible and snuck inside. After some quick spells to remove the locks and enchantments, we found an ornate chest filled with a dozen silver-gleaming eggs. Imowen grabbed them, and I placed Fairy's decoy eggs in their place, so that none of the drow would be the wiser. We made our way out of the treasury without leaving a trace of our thievery. But was one more issue. Fairy would still expect us to give her the real eggs, and we needed them for Adelon's help in finding Arenicus and Bodhi. Just then, a hand grabbed me from behind, 
I expected a blade to my throat next, but I saw underneath a dark hood was Solafane. He whispered to me. Baldrin, excellent. I have found you. I have something to offer. Something to give that treacherous wench fairy what she deserves. I surmissed her double cross with the matron mother and brought you these, a second copy of the eggs. Just as fake as the first. She marked her own fakes to tell the difference, but not these. These will fool her and make her think she has the real eggs. Thank you, Solafane. I will. This is a great help. I don't even think Veldrin is your real name, but I don't care. You spared my life, and the only thing I regret is that I won't be there to see the look on Vare's face. Farewell, my brother. Now, with Solafane's decoys in hand, we returned to Fairy with haste. She waited with bated breath as I handed her Solafane's copies of the eggs, near identical to the unhatched dragons. Ah, you are a marvel, my brilliant Veldrin. You've done just as I asked, and returned with the true eggs. Now we shan't delay. We shall go to the temple and begin the ritual with the matron mother at once. We headed swiftly to the matron mother's temple. Fere made little effort to show the pride and delight she felt at holding what she thought were the true dragon's eggs. Once at the temple, we were led by darkly robed handmaidens into a large ritual chamber, where the matron mother herself stood in sweeping robes of black night. In the center, on a spiked dais, sat what I knew to be the fake dragon that Exfire had us planned. The matron mother raised her hands, and all voices fell silent, and what dim light held in the room dimmed further to near total darkness. All preparations have been made. In moments, the drow will stand supreme with our house first among them. Let the summoning ritual begin. Pentagrams of blood upon the ground, a lighted in violet flame, burning a portal into the floor of the chamber. A massive red-skinned arm burst from the portal, and then another dragging up the winged body of a demon lord. Once their fiery entrance was complete, they looked down upon my companions and I then to Fairy and the matron mother. The demon lord's gaze held on the matron of the drow. I have come. You have wrecked me from my plain mortal. Have good reason, or I shall take my price in your blood. I have good reason, lord of the nether pits. I beseech you, to aid the drow cause in the war against our hated surface cousins. And what manner of tithe would you pay to warrant my aid? I offer you these, Lord of Fiends, eggs of a silver dragon, a self-righteous creature of light, yours to do with as you please in return for your aid. <laughs> 
the demon lord took one look at the eggs presented in the center of the chamber, and its face furrowed into rage. Foolish, dark elves! Do you think I would be taken by such simplistic deception? What do you mean, O oh dark lord? These, these are... These are fake! I would have taken such a type were they real, but now you have offended me. Perish. The matron mother flailed in a panic. No, no, loath, protect your faith. The demon lord snapped its fingers, and the matron mother was consumed in a column of hellfire. Not even ash was left upon the ground. Seizing the opportunity, Fairey removed the eggs I had given her from her robes and held them aloft for the demon. Hold, demon. I am Fairey, the daughter of the one who summoned you, and I have the eggs you seek. The demon gave a curious look, beholding the gleaming eggs in Fairey's arms. <laughs> Foolish daughter, the eggs you hold are also false. What? No, it's... Veldrin! Veldrin! What have you done to me? Viconia scoffed at her. You are weak, Fere, and you pay the ultimate price amongst the drow. An ignoble death. Callius the Humble has beaten you all. Also, Fere, when you bedded me last night, it was with an illusion. My mirror duplicate appeared from behind me with a cheerful wave. Fairy stared in shock and unfathomable disdain. I will destroy you, Veldrin. I will find you and eat your beating heart. I will... Another snap of the demon's fingers and Fairy vanished into flame as quickly as her mother. I stepped forward to address the mighty fiend. Return from whence you came, demon. There is no offer for you here, and your summoners are dead. So be it. At least this was amusing. Mortals are ever fools. A portal of flame and shadow swallowed the demon back to whatever hellscape it came from. With Fairey and the matron mother dead, we now only had to flee the city and return the eggs to their mother. But surely the matron mother and her daughter would be found dead before we made it out of the city gates in time. The drow here would torture us for weeks before even considering killing us. We needed to act swiftly and discreetly to ensure our escape. Adelon seemed almost surprised to see us as we returned to her cavern lair, as much as an ancient silver dragon can seem surprised, that is. So, you have returned, and I sense... I brandished a thick satchel, opening the flap to reveal half a dozen gleaming silver dragon eggs to their mother. Safe and sound. You have my eternal gratitude, Callis the Humble. I had my doubts. You and your party would be able to escape Ustathar unscathed. Well, we realized that we could kind of just run. I mean, we have quite a number of haste spells, and you'd be surprised how long it takes to actually react to a group of fugitives running full sprint out of your city. By the time the guards were coming, we were already free of the city gate. Well done. You have returned that which I treasure most to me. 
Now I may aid as you agreed. I sense where this wizard Aranicus lies upon the surface. He currently attacks the great elven city of Sodanesalar, decimating its people and plundering that which it holds most dear. And for what purpose does Aranicus face an entire city of elves on his lonesome? He seeks a power there to ascend himself to godhood, a mission that he requires your stolen soul for. Beyond that, I cannot say. Even now, Aranicus, as well as Sodanesalar, are untouchable and unfindable, save for one possibility. Please, whatever it is, we shall seek it out. Tell us, great dragon. The elves of Sodanesalar held an ancient artifact of great power, the Rin Lanthorn, a lantern etched with elven ruins that have attuned itself to the elven people. Its power cannot be barred from the city. Any who carry the lantern may pass unimpeded into Sodanesalar. And where exactly can we find this Rin Lanthorn? I sense it currently lies in the city of Athkatla with Aranicus's sister. Curses! Bodhi has in her possession the only means of getting to Arenicus. She has already proved to be a fearsome foe. Very well. Send us back to Athkatla. We have some unfinished business with Bodhi there. As you wish, humble bard. Adelon reared back, unfurling her majestic silver wings. Her great eyes flashed with shining light, and the familiar feeling of falling came as we teleported back to the city of Athkatla. Whew. <laughs> so much going on. Yeah. So much betrayal. Yeah. <laughs> I love that Cali is just like, oh, that, when we, when we betted, that was just an illusion. <laughs> it's such a, such like a unneeded thing to say, but it's still so funny. It's still very Cal- Callius. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very fun playing this very like, flamboyant homosexual man <laughs> running through in this this game from the early 2000s that's very like heteronormatively focused you can tell yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. i wanted to put in a bit of jahira and viconia just constantly like kind of coming on to callius because they sort of just do that throughout the game they just they just have a conversation with you kind of unprompted like jahira will be like you know ever since my husband khalid died it's just Things have been so lonely. <laughs> and Viconia's just like, you know, I've been rather impressed by your efforts, and I am well versed in the drow erotic arts. And it's like, okay, it's like, okay, it's like, welcome, my liege, come play now. It's like, <laughs> ladies, yeah. ladies, ladies, please, that's, I'm, I love you both dearly, but I'm afraid that's not quite what I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah. You're more of a friend. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think it's great. I love the I love the betrayal. I love the demon coming, and both Farrah <laughs> and the the mother matron getting their comeuppance. And I think that is such a great, a great scene. I just love the and I love how the demon almost has like a, a sense of humor. Like, oh man, humans are always just all foolish. <laughs> you know, I love that. Like the keys has a history with, with humans just being, uh, or mortals. I'm mean, not humans. Mortals being foolish. I mean, I love after like the intensity of the last uh, chapter. This felt like its own little, like, Callius adventure that by the end we get, like, back on track. 
Um, and not that this is off track because it's all like really important, but it's such a perfect like reminder of this is a big adventure. There's big, exciting things going on. Here's this really cool wild place that Callie gets to explore, be a part of. And then it continues to further that story, but still gives us this um, reminder of what it was like, you know, before everything that was going on. And that's still in the back of our heads, but it's this like perfect little, not little, not even little, it's this perfect adventure that fits within the story, but is so important to remind us, like, who these characters are and what, what they can do, and Callias can kind of let go of some of the things that are that are weighing them down, and a little bit, like, bring some good into this place that is, like, uh, uh, unfortunately, like, portrayed as just a bunch of evil um, that I really enjoyed. Yeah, it's definitely the the older, slightly problematic depiction of <laughs> yeah. the drow. I do at least, you know, most people who talk about it say, though, it's like, it's because they have, like, a literal, like, goddess of, like, misery and oppression kind of controlling all of them. Uh, but yeah, it was, it, the, the, the writing for the drow is, like, super hammy in this <laughs> game, where everything they do is, like, uh, any failure because upon you will result in immediate death. Weakling. It's like they use a lot of like weakling fool <laughs> knave. It's a lot of a lot of that type of vibe. Because it's like, oh wow, people are really intense here. It's real real big vibe. I love that like like Solophane was able to kind of regain some sense of like I don't want to say kindness, but like um maybe compassion. I don't know. Like, it was really cool. He, he didn't seem like the character that was actually able to get to that point. So it's nice to see that. Yeah, the whole level is filled with there's there's so many little side quests, places to go. You fight like all manner of just awful, awful creatures in the underdark. But it's the, like the main the main point of it is is you know kind of being in disguise in this place, try to be one of the people. Um, and I thought that 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 emotional heart of of Solophanes and, and fairies relationship and and that that eventual um turn of callius deciding to, to spare somebody um kind of works out for him and the and the, the people who have committed themselves to, to to ambition and death sort of get what's coming to them in that regard yeah yeah it's a, it's a very satisfying doesn't i feel like it doesn't happen very often but very satisfying uh end to that part of the the tale and those characters it's very good I just like the demon voice. That's fun. Yeah. Oh, and uh, applause to Eric. Thank you. Is the unfortunate run one to run into all of these like very specific <laughs> fantasy terms. And uh, you guys have been very kind to me. I, I appreciate oh, your kindness. No, I always like, mess it up. No, Ryan and I play D and D all the time, so we're yeah. always like, "It's like you must go to the temple of Tiamat, where the servants of Bahamut." Yeah. I struggle to read normal words. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, oh God. And I do right by it. Yeah. Wonderful elven names like Sildeneselar. It's like, what? Yeah. What was that? Say that, say that one more time. <laughs> it sounded out. <laughs> um, but yeah, D&D's got a lot of, a lot of wacky names. Yeah. They just like to... Mm throw into things so um i'm very excited we're going back to Athla. Mm, yeah going back right mm, yeah where adventure started mm-hmm. yes now Athla is more of a if i remember correctly please tell me if i'm right more of like a i always I, for some reason i'm picturing a desert in my mind is that true is it more of a deserty it's like it's got a little bit of that like 
oasis-y kind of a little bit of that flair i think it's still sort of in a in a country it's like there's still like forests and okay that, that kind of general you know uh generic fantasy kind of terrain but but yeah it's set up as a different place because again this whole game there's no baldur's gate in baldur's gate 2 it's the it's the one it's the one game that you don't you don't go to baldur's gate at all you're just you're somewhere else for the whole time um, so if Katla kind of takes its place as like the as like the main capital city of, of the region of Ang. I'm very I'm very curious because they still have to deal with Bodhi and then even go to uh, Aranicus. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it just feels like there's always like that catch up happening for them. I feel oh, I feel absolutely. for for Callius. Oh no, Ryan and I very much know the feeling of, of being on a, on a grand D and D adventure and needing to play a lot of catch up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Patience <laughs> I- is a virtue. Yeah, as, as our characters really like getting into situations, and then those situations have consequences, which then need to be fixed, and then <laughs> and then we just keep doing that forever. <laughs> yeah. Chapter six. Our party walked along the roads back to Athkatla, where our journey started. The dragon Adelon was able to teleport us to a forest clearing just outside the city. Probably a good idea, as a silvery dragon portal would be a touch conspicuous in the center of the bustling capital, especially with Bodhi's forces likely awaiting our arrival. An hour or so in, Hedelise's sharp eyes picked up something. What is this, my raven? Another group of adventurers, hardened with experience, and on their way to another feat of bravery, no doubt. Are we going to fight, do you think? Oh, I see another drow. I begin to see them everywhere, ever since the Underdark. They are so vicious, even boo cowers. Ah, there is one here in our midst. Uh, that's just Viconia, Minsk. Imbecile. Our lively banter seemed to have alerted the approaching strangers. The drow in question waved and called out. Ho there, travelers. I am Dritz de Urn. Most recently of ten towns. Are you friend or foe? By the gods! It's Dristo Erden! I turned to the rest of my party. Do you know who this is? The rest of my party shrugged. Are you kidding me? This is Dristo Erden, fabled hero of the Northern Sword Coast. He has spawned hundreds of tales of valor and glory. Oh, I used to sing songs about him. Oh, and look... He's accompanied by his trusty companions, Bruna Battlehammer, Wolfgar of the Icewind Dale, Catty Bree of Mithril Hall, and Regis. Oh, I have dreamt of this day for so long. Ow! Well met, friend. It seems my reputation has preceded me. Have we met before? I feel your face is familiar. Oh, yes, uh, we met briefly once. Um, I helped you defeat some gnolls near Baldur's Gate. That was you? Oh, glad I'm able to meet you again, friend. It is good to see others of decent nature travel these roads, especially with all the rumors of danger. If you are in need of assistance, I'll be glad to offer it. If not, I'll wish you well, and we shall be on our way. Actually, if you're offering, I think I have a proposal for you, Dristowood. A proposal? Very well, stranger. I have no objections to hearing you out. If I can assist you, I will. We returned to the city of Afkatla, 
inside the familiar walls where we had first emerged after escaping from Erenicus's clutches. While our quest to find Bodhi and stop Erenicus held great priority, I knew I had one task before we moved on. I went alone to the city's temple of Ilmater, patron god to the suffering and oppressed. A robed priestess bid me welcome inside. Greetings, my brother. Welcome to the humble abode of the one who endures. Ilmater shelters all in need and suffers himself for others' pain. I have a strange request, priestess. I have the heart of a man who died in shame. Tell me of this man. Yoshimau, a friend that was forced into treachery. He begged that Ilmata spare his soul from the hell he was promised. I see. Events took him further than he expected, and he suffered as he struggled between duty and his conscience. I have seen such torment in souls before. Very well. We shall take his heart to the breast of Ilmater. Crying God will determine what torment is deserved or not. If there is suffering undeserved, this Yoshimil will see great relief in his eternal rest. That is most reassuring to hear. So like I said here, I have his heart. Bahamut's pulse! What is that? You have his actual heart? I thought you were speaking spiritually. No, you see, I was worried he would not find redemption in his heart, and... Oh, oh God, just drop it in the basin there, and, 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 be, and be cleansed. Thank you kindly. I watched as Yoshimo's heart plopped into the basin of holy water and slowly sank to the bottom. I nodded my head solemnly and gave a silent prayer. May you find your true rest. My friend. Please leave! With my former comrade's heart cleansed of his earthly transgressions, we made for the graveyard district of Athkatla, where we had once faced Bodhi before in the underground catacombs buried deep below the ground. Tiptoeing down into the abandoned crypts, we found the decrepit tunnels peculiarly absent of bloodthirsty vampires. We kept our guards up, as we knew an ambush was likely imminent. But we faced no opposition until we came to Bodhi's chamber. Bodhi stood in a grand tomb lined with pools of dark crimson blood. Sarcophagi lined the walls over the pools as if to drain the blood of their captives. Bodhi stood comfortably, a sly smile upon her dead gray you are becoming an impressive pest, one that I am finding difficult to ignore. Honestly, I simply do not know what to do with you. I grow tired of seeing you in my shadow. I am not the one that fled our last encounter, Bodhi. Sorry if I <laughs> scared you. Hardly. It was simply more important that I report your condition to Arenicus. He has decided that it is no importance, interesting though as it is. Regardless, I am afraid your journey ends here. You've been very resourceful in finding me, although I did not go out of my way to hide. You should have made more of an effort. We have an obligation to destroy you, as if we needed more reasons. No matter where you ran, it would not have helped. We were determined bunched and seems pushed toward you from many sides. Who would have found you wherever you tried to put your evil foot? That's what we do! I have come for what you stole from me, and I will not leave here empty. I will have my soul. 
You may try, Emmawin, but you will fail. We've worked long to realize our revenge and will not be stopped by you. I'm sure your reasons for coming are all very important to you. Do spare me the boredom of hearing them. As if your crimes against me weren't enough, you've endangered an entire elven city. You helped those treacherous elves. They deserve all they receive and more. They will not even approach us while we destroy them. Such is their arrogance. Let them shiver in fear that they die between me and Arenicus. They would not even acknowledge us as their own. And now we will bury them all. What do you mean, as their own? Elves rarely allowed outsiders of any kind in their cities. Fool. They would have you think we are some foreign intruders attacking their city for no reason. Their shame is that Arenicus and I are very familiar to them indeed. No elf would dare turn against others. No elf would endanger the very fabric of our society. No elf would do as Arenicus and I have done. They all stood by while we echoed our crimes and their punishments. I should almost let you live so that they could have the shame of an outsider questioning them about their whole matter. Almost. Your part ends here, Callius the Humble. I shall feast on the blood of the gods while you enter death questions unanswered. Bodhi opened her arms wide, and the sarcophagi slammed open, dropping their rotting inhabitants into the blood pools. A dozen blood-soaked mummies crawled from the pools towards us. Our party sprang into action. I dashed straight for Bodhi, who welcomed me with a gleeful hunger and a banged smile. My rapier clashed against her claws, while I kept Bodhi occupied, Imowen vaulted over me with a vengeful shout and lashed out with her own blade. Bodhi, with lightning speed, grabbed Imowen's leg and spun, tossing her into me. We fell back into our party, who were fighting off the dripping undead. Minsk cleaved his axe into one skull, but kept it moving. Oh, Minsk cleaved his axe into one skull, but it kept moving. Hedelis pierced another with many blade strikes but their shambling continued, unabated. We were closed in further and further, surrounded by Bodhi's powerful minions. Jahira and Viconia began their incantations to ward off the abominations, but they could not concentrate with our backs pressed up against them. Fools! I need more room to cast my spells! This is a bit more close quarters than to my liking, Callius. Apologies, friends, but we're a little hard-pressed here. The undead squeezed us in like a vice, until I found it hard to even swing my blade. Bodhi cackled as she watched us helplessly struggle against her hardened corpses. Just then, a glint of light shone behind Bodhi, and the next moment she screeched as a figure leapt out, dual scimitars sweeping. A dark-skinned drow with long waves of luscious white hair launched from the darkness, it was Drist Doerden! He rolled, landing with his blades out, coated in Bodhi's vampiric blood. Another cry rang out as a dwarf in a horned helmet crushed his way through the undead using a massive warhammer. The mummies in their bloody bandages almost had me in their deathly grasp, but the... Bleh! The mummies in their bloodied bandages almost had me in their deathly grasp before their moans were cut short. Arrowheads burst forth from their faces, and they fell to true lifelessness. Bruna Battlehammer and Catty Bree, oh my goodness, I'm such a huge fan! 
Do not forget Wolfgar of the Icewind Dale! Mummies began sailing through the air as a burly man in pelts began throwing them away with supreme strength. The circle encroaching us began to break up as the mummies turned to fight our saviors. We rushed Bodie together. She crouched into a stance ready to pounce claws out. Viconia blasted her with a burst of holy light, blinding Bodhi for a moment. Hedelis slashed at her with a flurry of blades, which she dodged with supernatural speed. But that gave enough of an opening for Minsk to come in with his axe, which Bodhi caught with her bare hands, clasping the blade of it. With her arms occupied, Boo scrambled off Minsk's shoulder and leapt onto Bodhi's face, scratching and biting. Bodhi launched Minsk away to free her hands, grasping for the ferocious rodent. Jahira followed up with Boo's distraction, sending thick vines to grab Bodhi's arms. Bodhi screamed as she was rooted to the ground, unable to move. Imowen and I rushed in while she was vulnerable. We each plunged our blades directly into Bodhi's heart. She screamed in a bloody panic. No! No, it's mine! The life is mine! Ah! Bodhi's body evaporated into a fine vapor and floated away into another chamber. We rushed inside to find an intricate coffin lid closed. Minsk propped it open, and we saw a pale, withered corpse within. It was Bodhi's true form laid to rest here. The desiccated eyes shot open and eyed me with vigorous hatred. Before she could move, Imowen planted a stake into her heart. Bodhi writhed and thrashed and screamed, and a surge of energy sprang out like a leak from her impaled chest. Imowen's divine soul fled from its thieving host and circled its true home, gently settling back into Imowen's form. Bodhi shrieked, clawing at the air as if to grab the returning soul, but could do nothing more but fall to ash unmade. Imowen took a deep breath and smiled. I feel... I feel better now. I feel whole again. Thank you for everything, Callias. I, I am restored, and I hope your own healing isn't too far off. My body still ached from its own lack, even more so after the gruesome fight. But I could not help but smile, seeing Imowen restored, as she stood tall and proud, as I had not seen her in quite some time. I gave Dristawurden and his party my thanks, as they bade us farewell. A chest in Bodhi's coffin chamber glowed with mystical brilliance. Opening it quickly, inside I found a lantern gilded with patterns of leaves weaving together bordering strong trees. The gentle light of a morning sunrise beamed out from its glass surface. The Rin Lan Thorn, our key to Sol de Nesselar, 
where John Arenicus currently laid waste to its elvish denizens. With the Rinland Thorn in hand, we made for the forests south of Athcatla to find Soldaneselar and within John Irenicus. We would put an end to his villainous rampage once and for all and return my stolen soul. I'm very happy that Emon has her soul back. That's very, very good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Bodhi was trying really hard to be a uh, a strong villain and has kept constantly like it's like but no stop it you're you're being you're you're stopping me from being a good <laughs> from being a effective villain like stop it and then we go back and be like hmm you've come yet again i'm gonna beat you oh stop it no stop it all right ow i you know would have I mean? killed you last time but i remembered i'd left the stove on. <laughs> <laughs> no i i just yeah that's so great i think that this is a great way to set up for the uh, for what is to come for the end of this story uh i think it's a great way to kind of give hope to what will become of the tale for callius or the end goal for callius um though i'm, I'm not personally i'm not sold that he will get his soul back yet i don't know there's a part of me that feels like there could be something coming but then again that's just that's what's great about the stories you don't really know what's coming uh, and all the different twists and turns that happen um yeah well, ryan i'll start with you how do you what do you feel so far about the story uh, I mean, it's it's such a wonderful D and D story. I mean, as as we were as as we were like finishing up this last section, I just my mind went back to you know the 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 part of our journey where the goal was just to make a ton of money, right? Like, what a very like D and D part of the adventure. We have to we have to do a bunch of jobs to get some money to then get to this next thing, and now we're at this like really incredible arc of. We're no longer like looking to. Not only are we looking to save an entire city, but also ourselves. And you have this really beautiful echo of Imowen getting their soul back. Um, that then, like you said, like gives hope to what's coming in the future. And this whole like, also like the the the. And I, I'm positive this isn't in the game, but maybe it is. The the inclusion of Drist and his like band of super famous. Uh, adventurers being involved in this is incredible and Kelly's reaction is perfect I loved that so much I will say that is 100% in the game is it really? it is because they have nuts. they have that little cameo in the first game where you yeah. can just kind of run into Drista Word and out in the wild and just like fight some monsters with them and it's like oh cool Drista Word and then like anybody who's like read those novels it's like oh cool it's like this this fun D and D character from like like actual lore things, and then yeah no and they just they they put a full fan service cameo where <laughs> there's a whole cutscene as you're traveling back to Athcala where Drista Orden approaches and and you can like you can just choose to to kill him <laughs> if you're if you're feeling like an evil asshole yeah. just like I want to fight this guy but. <laughs> Yeah, Callius as a bard, knowing all the mythical tales of, yeah. all, the, of all the most vaunted heroes. With, with I, I just love Callius so much, and I think Callius is just such a uh, a relatable character. I feel like Callius is, is this hero that uh, gets everything the way that he necessarily wants it to, but rolls with the punches in such a way that is so identifiable or so relatable in this, in this mythical magical world of this, you know, this D and D world, I feel is, is just so great. Um, 
I, I am just a little sad that John Arankis wasn't in this part of the script because I was ready to play him. <laughs> today. Don't worry. Ready to play. Yeah. He's got, he's got a lot in the next one. He's the one I was like, well, I got to make sure I get his voice down no matter what. <laughs> you know, you know uh, y- Yoshimo's one thing. But he, I, I, I kind of knew what was going to happen with him. Like, I had to make sure John Arankis was going to be on point for today. But it is what it is, obviously. I think that building up, because like, now we know where he stands and what he is doing. To the to the elves yeah. and uh, oh man no hold up hold up soda and escalar <laughs> escalar I'm gonna get, I'm gonna practice so much it's gonna be insane that's all I'm gonna I'll talk like to, I really need to I need to go through when I'm editing I need to make a little glossary oh that'd be so nice of oh, you like, here's like, <laughs> done it the past like like four times we've done this um eric no. i will say the best way to get these is just you got to play D with us right that's the I best know, way to get i know these i know i should <laughs> i'm just gonna be in character some fucking you know some some like some like elvish oracle is just speaking to your party and it's like you must go to the city of ravis de ganriath and yeah. there you will find the great jewels of the fabled hero Nostlatilioman. I'll be writing this all of it down. Yeah, yeah, you take, yeah, copious <laughs> How do you spell it? What? How many? How many mm-hmm. L's? Yeah, it's a. I made L's. Yeah. Yeah. I had some really cool D&D characters. So one one day, yeah. I I think I, I I was thinking about it a lot actually recently because I knew this was coming up. And I definitely think I'm more of an in-person D&D player, but I think I, if I found the I remember because I remember we used to we used to play D&D a good amount uh, in person with our, our our friends from back home. Um, and I had a lot, a lot of fun with that. I think it was, but I, th- I think if I find the, the, if I find that same feeling within like the, the virtual side of it, I think I'm much more, I'm what, I think I'll get there one day. I think I'm building up. To yeah. It, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I haven't played physical D&D in like years. I think since like before the pandemic. Um, we need to plan like a, a camping trip somewhere where like we rent a cabin and just play D&D for an entire weekend. So that's I, that would be awesome. Yeah. To be fair, I, to be say though, it's like if you get like, you know, if you've got like a good group of friends with you, even playing online, like, you know, I, I got Ryan here. He knows it's like, you know, I like, you know, we do we do emotional stuff that, you know, I'm still like weeping for three hours afterwards. It's <laughs> like yeah. we still tell. No, it's I love it. Don't don't you pity me? No, I'm not pitying. No. <laughs> no Great. I, like... I will never come back to finish the story. <laughs> no, Ryan. No. Ryan will tell you. I like I like the dark stuff. I like. Yeah. We did all the goofy stuff with Callie. Now I'm like, I just tell my friends like, make me suffer. <laughs> who needs who needs therapy when you just play Dungeons and Dragons? Mm. Get all, all the emotions problems. out. Yeah. <laughs> Celeste, how do you feel about this part of the story? Ooh, I really, um, I liked in trying to, 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 to whittle, like, you know, what, what's the start and end of these pieces. I liked that it sort of began with, with Bodhi's little challenge. Yes, make it out of my test. See if you can. I love the hunt. And it ending with her defeat, leaving just the big bad left to take down at the end of it. I thought it made, like, a nice little arc as it was, we got the whole little, uh, underdark little chapter of this story and it's just it's cleared every other loose end out of the way now it's just Callius gets to beeline right for his his greatest rival and and the most treacherous fucking villain um 
So I think I think it it it, it, it sets up really well for for a big grand finale. I'm very curious how Renicus will receive the news of Bodhi's death. If he's not going to care, or if he's going to be extremely upset. I feel like I see both equally as possible in my mind. You know what I mean? Just knowing how treacherous and horrible he is, because um, I can see her being a tool in his mind that he used to get you know a means to an end or if he actually did care about her which would kind of humanize him in a sense you know make him more relatable so it's i'm very curious how that will go so good ah celeste thank you so much you did so great as always we are so lucky that you that you do this the next part should be out much sooner than a year from. (laughs) yes yes it'll be great yeah when everyone recording please like we'll you just let us know when work. you're ready, and we will uh, we will we'll clear everything. Let your let your few months to your your throat to heal. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I know it was like three hours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you did so good. Storygoers, as always, please let us know your thoughts, feelings, and perspectives of this fantastic story that Celeste has has gone through and does such a great job of making. Uh, email us at talesfromthecartridge at gmail.com. All of the e's are threes. You can also Find us on our social media, as well as leaving a voicemail or text at 207-494-4334 or answering our poll question down below if you're listening to us on Spotify. Uh, of course, if you want to do- donate to our Patreon, that'd be fantastic. Rate us if you'd be so inclined to. Um, Celeste, is there anything that you'd like to plug before we end the show? Oh, this 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 must have done on anything. You want you want to see more of me? Just keep coming back here. <laughs> yeah. mm. I'll, come, I'll come by. Let's get big enough so Celeste just have a job writing amazing D and D stories. Yeah, or like if <laughs> you fantastic. are like need a writer for a TV show, or if you need oh, oh my some, God. like somebody to lead your like voice acting for all your voice actors, mm-hmm. just oh, yes. reach out to us and we will like get you the true talent in this in this yep, in this yep. in this space. Yep, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. If Callus can be in Baldur's Gate three, this is like a small little cameo thing. That'd be so, or or bigger. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, bigger yeah. would be great too. Yeah, but it would be, yeah. Oh, that'd be amazing. It'd be so cool. <sighs> I mean, of course, Callus story is obvious. But you know what I mean? For the masses who deserve right that, for everybody yeah. else yes. to get to experience it. Yeah. Yes. Ah, uh, Celeste, thank you so much. I'm excited to record again. This would be great. Of course, thank you all for having me again. It's always a wonderful blast. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, everyone, stay safe. Hope you're happy and healthy, and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.